Get out there and tell somebody about Jesus. How's everybody doing today? Come on, somebody. Nothing's sticking anymore. Well, can't work in my office today. It's flooded. Man, there is just a good vibe happening today. Welcome to podcast number 60, everybody. Big 6-0. Can you believe it? Can't believe it. And Oh, wow. That doesn't sound like Pastor Aaron at all. <laughs> I, I hope not. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> Sounds like my beautiful wife. Hi, everyone. Yes. I got Jen on the podcast today. As many By default, can we say? No. By... Oh, okay. I mean, you know. Pastor Aaron is not in the office, and I have the honor and pleasure of filling his seat. It's not default. Okay. Well, I, I've done the podcast by myself a couple times now. Yeah. So I could have just done it by myself. Now that's the default mode. Okay. You're the... I'm a step up from... Yes. <laughs> Ma- major step up just from sitting here by myself talking. Well, it's funny because obviously we're married. We talk all the time. Mm-hmm. And so here we are talking, but we have headphones it's on weird. and a microphone. It's odd. So it feels familiar, but not. The dynamics are strange. It is, but good strange. Mm-hmm. It's good. We're going to have a good time. And we're going to keep the tradition going. Okay. Um, the Lions play this Sunday. Wonderful. Um, and so <laughs> so far, I know, it's not always... Okay, is it a one o'clock game or yeah, a night? Okay, it's a one o'clock so game. it's get home from church, get the kids situated, get in the game zone. Yeah. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. I'm, and, I'm, and unfortunately, I'm working on this, but my mood is sometimes affected by the Detroit Lions. Well, I do notice, you know, we come home from church, I'm ready to eat lunch, we're hungry, but I can tell if you're nervous, if you're unsure about the Lions, you don't eat. <laughs> Your appetite is gone. A little bit. Because... You're excited and a little bit in knots about what's going to happen. Yeah, I am. I am a, I am excited and nervous, and it's, it's true. I mean, I'm not really into the eating when I'm nervous. No. I don't like eating when I'm nervous. Some people stress eat. You no. stress don't eat. I don't eat. Yeah, I stress yeah. don't eat. <laughs> Let's see here, though. Um, I must say, if we must keep a record, Aaron okay. is 0-2, oh. and I am 1-1. One and predicting the Lions. So... You think they're going to win. Well, that's not necessarily the case. We're, we're either right or... If we're right, that's a win on our right. end. So if we predict them to lose and they lose, then that's a... That's gotcha. Considered you get a, a point. win. You, yeah, you get yeah. A, yeah. So Aaron's 0-2. So he has not predicted he, correctly. He's not predicted so correctly So I need to break the streak you're, you're gonna, for Pastor Aaron. Yeah, we're not starting a sub-streak, a sub line just for you. Yours is just Aaron. Okay. You're speaking for Aaron. Pastor Aaron, I hope I do you proud. Yeah. So um, <laughs> they play the Atlanta Falcons, who okay. are 2-0. Oh. So I need to decide, will they win? Will they not win? Mm-hmm. What do you think oh. the Lions are going to do? They, they got a lot of injuries. And they okay. got a lot of injuries. 2-0 against great teams? 2-0 against... Well, they, um, teams? I can't remember. I cannot remember the both teams they played, but they beat the Green Bay Packers last week, and I think the Green Bay Packers are a good team, not a great team. So they beat the Packers. Okay. Well, you know what? I feel like being hopeful today, being positive. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say the Lions will win. Okay. I want to root. I want to root for them. All right. And I predicted that 
<gasps> well, I'm one and one. Okay. So I predicted they'd beat the Chiefs, and they did. Okay. And I thought they'd beat the Seahawks, and nothing that I thought would happen actually Ooh. did happen. Okay. So now I'm a little bit confused on the Do team. they have any major players injured? Yeah. They got oh. a lot. They got oh. a lot of major players injured, and for that very reason, I'm going to predict... Mm, I'm, I'm going to predict a win. I'm going to predict okay, a, so bo- a bounce-back game. All right. We're that, on the same page. Yeah. Okay, gonna, that's a good place for us to be. I'm going to predict a bounce-back <laughs> game. So I'm going to predict a win. All right. And we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I'm I, right I, there with you. Okay. All right. So on another note, we just got back from our church's network conference. Mm-hmm. So our church belongs to a network called Link, and they do a conference every year in September. And we just got back last night from that conference. And I thought it was a great, I thought that day of teaching was really good. It was really good. It was main sessions, breakouts. I left with a lot of good notes, even this morning as I was spending time with the Lord, just like reviewing, recapping, definitely some things that are going to stick with me. I think so too. I took a lot of good notes. One of the messages in particular, I thought was very, very good. Actually, they were all, obviously they're all they were all good, but one of them in particular hit me a little harder than the others. Um, this is one where um, Pastor Ross Shear, he is a pastor in uh, Big Rapids, Michigan, and he was sharing his um, his message yesterday afternoon, and uh, what was the title of his message? Unqualified. That was the title of his message, I think. Unqualified. And he really shared from his heart about mm-hmm. how he... F- how when he was 20 years old, he was asked to take over the, this church. And the reason that he was asked to take over this church in particular is because he was the worship pastor at the church, and the pastor had a moral failure. Mm. So they were trying to find somebody to take over the church. They had initially asked him at the very beginning, would you want to pastor the church? And he, he was said, like, no way. <laughs> no way. No way. He said, absolutely not. It's not what I want to do. And so they started hunting. Isn't that how it is, though? Like the thing you don't want to do, you're like... And then I find myself here <laughs> doing very, the exact thing. <laughs> very common that the Lord will put you in the exact position you don't want to be in. So I've actually heard people say, don't ever tell the Lord you're never going to yeah. do this because you'll probably end up doing it. And I think that was one of his his kind of life mantras was like, I'm never going to be a pastor. Like he had yeah. kind of made an inner vow to himself about that. And a big reason for that was he felt unqualified. Very He unqualified. felt like he didn't have the leadership skills. Yeah. He didn't know the word. He was like, how can I preach? I don't know the word in and out. Yeah. Like these men of God that I look up to. And so a big part of that was him feeling unqualified and even people honestly talking down to him that affirmed that, those feelings of insecurity. Yeah, he shared a story of um, eventually they started hunting for pastors, the committee did, and they weren't finding any. So Mm -hmm. they came back around (laughs) to... Ross, and they said, are you sure you don't want to be the pastor? And they're like, have you even prayed about it? And he's like, why would I? He actually said, why would I pray about something that I don't want to do? Yeah. <laughs> Been there, huh? <laughs> yeah. And so he, and then started, he said, okay, I'll, I will pray about it. And of course, heard the Lord tell him to do it. And he started to become the pastor. And it just turned out that there was like some kind of guest speakers lined up because the the church was kind of like trying to fill the pulpit. Mm-hmm. And so it's his first Sunday, really, truly, as the pastor. And he has to, one of the first things he has to do to prepare for his first Sunday as a pastor is actually call and cancel the guest speaker. 
Yeah, he realizes he got ordained, or he had the moment of being prayed in as pastor. The following Sunday would have been his very first Sunday as a lead pastor there at the church, but they already had a guest speaker scheduled, and he had this conflict of, well, you know what? Now I'm the senior pastor. I really feel like my first Sunday... I need to be in the pulpit. I need to be preaching. Yeah, and his, apparently his staff had told him that too. You th- yeah. you should be preaching the first Sunday at least. You know, um, so call this guy up, and let him know we don't need him anymore. And he was very intimidated by his very first task as a pastor. He said, <laughs> because the person he was calling to cancel was somebody that he really loved and respected and looked up to, and he kind of felt weird. In a sense, like you're not going to say like you're firing him, but like you step are. Aside. Yeah, yeah, you're going to have to step aside. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm the man now. Yeah. And he was always like nervous about that, so he gave the guy a call up, and he and he kind of gave him the bad news, and the guy's like, "How old are you?" And that's a little bit of a red flag, um, if you ask me, right? Yeah. A little red flag goes up in your mind when somebody asks you how old you are because they're a little bit upset from being canceled. How old are you? So he tells him, you know, he was only 28. Yeah. And the guy's response is really terrible. He says, well, you're not even gone through puberty yet. Just kind of shatters his it spirit. Crushed him. Crushed yeah. him. Crushed him. Because he already felt completely unqualified. Mm-hmm. And that kind of reconfirmed his Yeah. His, Someone his he admired and looked up yeah. to, yeah. rather than encouraging him in that moment, really discouraged him. And it kind of went from like, hey, this was a hero in the faith for me. Now this is like a monster. Like he's he's really become a, a, a villain in my he life. He had that much more to overcome at that yeah. point. Yeah. He had a lot to overcome. And so he... Um, that's a little bit of his story, and I think it's a good story to share with with you guys because it kind of gives us some background of his his message that he preached yesterday. Mm-hmm. And because uh, what that did is it led him into that first year of ministry, out of feelings of not feeling qualified for ministry, it made him become a workhorse. It made him work himself, work his staff at a pace that was full speed ahead, where because he felt inadequate, because he really was plagued by comparison and insecurity, he compensated, overcompensated for that by running at a pace that was really causing a lot of uh, negative effects. Oh, yeah. Tremendous uh, negative effects on his on his body, on his mind, on his yeah. spirit. Um. He was burning himself out. Very, very common for pastors, leaders, um, any kind of business owner, husband, wife, any kind of person in a leadership position, very common to um, want to put yourself in a super busy mm-hmm. mode to compete yeah, and to somehow keep up. People please. Yep. People ask you of things you don't want to say no. Yep. Super people pleasing. You want to accomplish um, all your goals, yeah. And because you're worried about what people think of you, you're you see uh, other pastors and churches doing awesome things, gathering large crowds, yeah. and then you then feel like, okay, I need to do that too. Yeah, you feel your worth in your work. Yeah, and that's how the more how, you can do, the better you feel about yourself. And that's how he felt. He was trying to really build up his worth through his work, and a whole year went by, mm-hmm. and he was that was it. He was done. Like he was totally burnt out. He says that they had um, all the staff and volunteers at his house one one Saturday after or Sunday afternoon. 
and the the there was like a celebration event to where they were going to talk about all the awesome things that they accomplished over the last year. It was his first year as the pastor. He did they did awesome things. There was a lot to celebrate, and he was so burnt out and and almost they started to have a panic attack. He went inside of his room and kind of panicked. Yeah, here he has 150 people in his backyard. Waiting to hear him speak. Ready to celebrate all the things that God did. And he, as the leader, is hiding in his bedroom, so overwhelmed and so burnt out because he has been running at a pace that wasn't sustainable for him. And he was, I think really what's happening is is he realizes, I can't do this year after year. Yeah. (laughs) That's the panic right there. Is you see no end in sight, yeah. And you're, and all these people now are going to expect this from you every single year. It's it, he realized he had an impossible pace, and he confessed. He said he had some of like the staff members were in the like were looking for him, and including his wife. Yeah. And they found him in the room, and they're like, Ross, <laughs> what are you doing here? And and he then began to express to them, I can't do this. Yeah. And they, they were gracious to him. And they said, okay, listen, just go out there, give your speech, do your thing. And on tomorrow in the office, we'll put together a better pace. And he's like, okay. And like, that is a wonderful, <laughs> he had a wonderful uh, crew in his corner. Yeah. All of a sudden, okay, some of the burden was lifted. I don't have to run at this pace anymore. There's a little bit of end in sight. There's light at the end of the tunnel. We can change some things. I'm not stuck. And so he learned a lot. He was honest with himself and honest with the people around him that he could trust so that he could get out of that and he learned detrimental a ton. pace. He yeah. learned a ton yeah. about what it's going to really take. And he said this one line, and I thought it was awesome. He said, so many people start their race with no idea how to cross the finish line. So good. So good. Then he gave three things that he found key for his life, that how he wants to finish. Three, yeah. three things that he wants to make sure he finishes well with. Now, I would love to talk about, really, Jen and, and myself, what are some of the things that, that we want to finish well with? Mm-hmm. Um, I think about just initially off the top of my head, there's not really in any particular order, but I want to... St- have a wonderful marriage mm-hmm. and a wonderful relationship with my children. That's uh, one of the things that I want to yeah. do to f- at the finish line. Yeah. Not be so consumed with the work or the business or the responsibilities that you, at the end of the day, yeah, I accomplished this and that, but... I don't I don't have a closeness. I don't have a I don't have memories I've made with my family. I don't feel connected to my spouse. Yeah, it's like you sacrificed one for the other. Absolutely. I'm I totally agree. Want to be able to cross the finish line. Still in love with my husband. Mm-hmm. A great, very present, very involved in our kids' lives. I mean, I want them to love Jesus. I want to I want to serve the Lord in a way where our kids want to serve the Lord too, mm-hmm. not see, oh my gosh, mom and dad work so hard. They look so tired all the time. I do not want to do what they do. Yeah, I mean, who knows what the Lord's going to call them into, but 
for them to for them to love the Lord, for them to want to serve the Lord, for them to see the joy of the race of serving the Lord and living for him. I think that would be a win is if we can pass that legacy onto our kids. I I yeah, I think you summed it up for me too is to like run this race with joy, a smile. Yeah. Actual true yeah. like happiness so that they will say to themselves, "Wow, I you know, it looks like being a pastor is fun." Yeah. You know, it looks like working at the church is is so fulfilling. Yeah. And I'll even say this, I feel like there will be a time where we we're, we're done in ministry, where we pass off what the Lord has entrusted us. And I want to, and it's time to pass off, not to have an identity crisis of who am I? What's my worth? For my identity, for my true joy, for my true fulfillment to be in knowing Christ, in my relationship with Christ, where the work didn't replace what really is your work wasn't your worth, but your yeah. worth your worth yeah. was found in I being be a healthy. child of God. Like I want to be healthy spiritually, emotionally, mentally, where I haven't become so consumed with what I do for the Lord that when the day comes for me to transition to something different or to pass it off to somebody where I'm just I, I feel like I've lost who I am. Mm-hmm. That's not who I am. Yeah. That's what I've been asked to carry. That's been my assignment. But who I am is a daughter, a son of the king. Who I am is your wife. Who I am is the mother of my children. You know. Mm-hmm. So to be able to to transition well and it not to uh, leave me wondering who am I? What's mm-hmm. my purpose? Yeah. And so that kind of leads you to number two, which was would be number two for me as well. Like I said, these are in no particular order. But a second thing would be to end the the, the race with really, really in love with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll never forget a story I read in a book by uh, written by Lester Summerall. I, I you lo- love him. Well, he's the he's he's awesome. You can say it. he's the man. Well, see, it. the co- Coddle <laughs> is the man. Oh, okay. That's Coddle's nickname, the man. Okay. So. I got to come up with a different nickname for Lester Summerall. He's the missions man, that's for sure. All right. Um, he found himself, he was in England, and he was doing ministry. Um, and a bunch of people that he was connected with kept telling him, hey, you need, you need to go see um, Smith Wigglesworth. And at this point in Smith Wigglesworth's life, he was like... Uh, retired old man, uh, un- unable to travel and do all the stuff. But Smith Wigglesworth was a titan, <laughs> a titan in the industry, I guess you could say. Um, and so they kept telling Lester Summerall, you got to go see Smith Wigglesworth. You, you, you really remind us of him, um, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so Lester Summerall hunts him down. He's like, as I said, at this point, he's retired. He's out of the race. And uh, knocks, like rings his, his doorbell at the gate. So this is England. So it's a little bit different kind of setup. Like they got a gate outside by the sidewalk, and there's a little bell there. And you ring that bell out there, and that kind of they can then say, okay, come in through the gate. Okay. So he comes in, and, and he's standing on the sidewalk at the gate, and, Lest, and Smith Wigglesworth sees Lester Summer out there, and he goes, what's in your hand? And Lester Summer, Summer all say, well, it's a newspaper. 
put it on the ground. I don't want any of that corrupt word in my house. Unless <laughs> 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 just someone was like, oh, okay. And so he just puts the newspaper on the ground and he go, goes in his house. And um, Lester, Lester Summerall, like, pretty much just introduces himself and um, says, you know, I, I've just been told to kind of come and, and, and connect with you. And, and um, he says, all of a sudden, Smith Wigglesworth puts his hands on his head and just prays for 10 minutes straight hmm. uh, without breaking or asking Lester Summerall to pray either. And just starts praying for over him hmm. and then stops praying and then asks him a question about, like, what are you doing in, in England? And Because he was American, you know, Lester Summerall was American. He says, well, I'm, you know, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And then, boom, puts his hands all over him again and just prays for him for like 10 minutes straight. And then stops praying for him and says, let's get down on our knees together and pray together. Hmm. And so him and Lester Summerall are to start praying. And Lester Summerall is very taken back by this behavior. He doesn't, does not normal, right? <laughs> and uh, and then they were, he was there for 30 minutes and they prayed the whole time. Like his prayers for 10 minutes, another prayer for five minutes, and they prayed together for about 15 minutes. And then uh, Smith Wigglesworth says, all right, you can go now. Come come back later. Come again, come again another day. And that was it. Shoved him out of the house. <laughs> and Lester Summerall walked out there and picked up his sidewalk, picked up his newspaper on the sidewalk and thought to himself, I just got something. Hmm. I just got something. He, he said, I don't know what it was, <laughs> but I got something. And he said he went back the next week, rang the doorbell without a newspaper, okay. walked in, and they prayed together for 30 minutes. Okay. And then he left. And he says he started doing that week to week. And he realized something, that Sir Smith Wigglesworth was imparting to him something. Yeah. Was was laying something on him, was putting something in him, and he says he was leaving his house different. And he Lester Summerall was kind of a young man, but he thought to himself, that's how you finish the race. Hmm. You're in your house. And he says he would walk into his house. He says it got to the point where he could just walk in and always found him praying. Hmm. Wow. You know? That, that's a man who's not identity was not wrapped up in his ministry or his crowds. Or because yeah. Smith Wigglesworth was a titan, hmm. he was a healer and he was a prophetic revivalist. Hmm. I mean, the the top of the top, and he he wasn't concerned with not having that anymore. He was yeah. in love with God. That's, that's why that's he powerful. was so so fruitful, so productive, yeah. so impacting. Because his first love, he had that time with the Lord. Yeah, I know. He knew how to pray. Mm-hmm. He knew how to pray. And, and you want to end with the heart that still runs yeah. hot for God. Still yeah. want that relationship with God. Um and and really just as I think about how I want to end, I mean, if those two things are there, we're still in love. Yeah. Our kids are in love with, in love with us too. Mm-hmm. We're hot for still hot for Jesus. Mm-hmm. We still want a, a relationship with Jesus. We're yeah. in love with Jesus. That that would be fine. You know, yeah. totally fine. And, and everything would work out well, I think. Yeah. yeah. You know, this teaching came from the scripture that we talk about a lot of how, you know, run the race to win, uh, trying yeah. to cross Paul. that finish line, right? Yeah, Paul, Paul says, you know, run the race to win. Yeah. And one of the things that was shared in the teaching that, you know, you brought up about that was shared that we heard at the conference was as we're running the race... Sometimes we get distracted and we think that we're running against the other people in the race. <laughs> we think we're running to beat out 
the guy, the girl next to us, we get a competitive spirit. We get that comparison mindset where suddenly our race and our finish line, rather than staying focused on my race, the pace that I need to run to cross, maybe we start to speed up a little too fast. Well, you know, with this analogy of running, I think about you know, marathon training. I think about different races I've been a part of, and I have a competitive spirit to me. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll train for a marathon and I'll have a certain pace in mind that I know this is a sustainable pace so that I can do that, you know, 26.2 miles. But what happens is that race day, I'll see someone running a little faster than me, and I'm like, I don't want them in front of me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll start trying it is to like uh, mini I'll, battles. Oh yeah, and I'll start running faster than I should, and it's a it's a awareness of whoa 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 wait, I can't focus on these other runners around me because I'll get ahead of myself and I'll burn out at mile twenty. Mm-hmm. I won't be able to cross that finish line because I'm getting distracted. I'm getting competitive. I'm comparing, I'm getting insecure. Like I want to be at the front of the pack. I don't want to be in the middle or the back. And that's happened before where I've gotten ahead of myself, I'd say both in literal running and both in the pace of life of where you start seeing people running at a pace that you weren't meant to run at. Yep. And you can't finish that, you can't cross that finish line well when you aren't obedient and running at the pace that God has prepared and asked you to run at. And so for this whole idea, this whole you know teaching about crossing the finish line well, really we have to ask the Lord to help us. Lord, give me wisdom how to run this race, how fast to go, when to slow down. And what's interesting, I know that you we've both discovered this, is as we run our race— there are times where the pace can increase, right? Yeah. Where we can do more, accomplish more. We feel like we can put our hand to more. And then there's times where we also need to adjust and maybe pull back. Mm-hmm. You know, when I get like a cramp running, I got to slow down. I got to tend to that. Yep. Maybe I need to walk a little bit longer than I uh, planned on it. And then that cramp goes away. I'm ready to keep going. I can pick up my pace again mm-hmm. rather than just ignoring the pain and pushing through. You know, that's a dangerous thing to do is run at a pace that's causing you pain and just thinking, well, something must be wrong. I just have to push through anyways. Yeah, That's detrimental. You won't cross the finish line that way either. So I just love that analogy of runners in the race and kind of how you can compare the two things of running and really our, our journey with the Lord and serving Him and uh, running that pace to finish finish well. Yeah. The Bible says, obedience is better than sacrifice which is a super important verse for anybody out there who feels insecure about what they're doing for the Lord. Mm-hmm. The Lord has called you to do something, but you get insecure watching others yeah. take off mm-hmm. and go faster, so you'll make major sacrifices... Yeah. That you were never even asked to make. <laughs> that God never asked you to make yeah. to keep up. Yeah. But God says obedience is better than sacrifice. Mm-hmm. God is telling all of us, I asked you to do this at this pace. Yeah. I never asked you to carry all that and sacrifice all that. Mm-hmm. My obedience to me is better than your sacrifice. So yeah. it's a great verse for all of us out there who are trying to keep up unnecessarily with those, those, those that we see on social media or 
even at work. Yeah. Another wonderful story that I have, and we'll, we'll, we'll finish here pretty soon, is you had asked me to run the Virginia Beach Half Marathon with you years ago. Oh, yeah. This was, what, 12, 13 years ago we uh-huh. did that? <laughs> yeah. We drove to Virginia Beach. We vacationed for the week. We did the half marathon on uh, Saturday and then started driving home Saturday night, right? Okay. All right. Got to a little hotel and uh, I started driving home, got a hotel somewhere in, I don't know. Oh, I can't remember. Far away from Virginia yeah. Beach. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that was our schedule. You know, and I remember doing a little like, um, I don't know, I just started getting into the idea of running this half marathon and started getting excited about it. And uh, I was reading an article. It was mm-hmm. a newspaper article about a guy who wanted to break like the two and a half hour mark on his marathon. He wanted to break two and a half hours wow. on, on a marathon or was it three hours or something. It wasn't like the world's greatest marathon time ever. It's what he, he wasn't trying to do that. He was trying to break his, break his personal okay. best. It was something okay. like three hours. His PR. Yeah. What's that mean? Personal record. Okay, yeah, he's trying to he's trying to break his own personal record. He's trying to get in there like three hours or something like that, and he couldn't do it. Like he just he had run many marathons, yeah. tried it, couldn't do it. Finally, got a coach. The coach started working with them. The coach started setting his running routine. Da 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 da. da. And it turned out that the coach was like, "You're gonna run for a mile, and you're gonna walk." Yeah. <laughs> You remember this? What? No, I'm just thinking I've heard this type of training where it's like the opposite yeah. of what you think you should do. You're going to walk. Yeah. You're not even tired yet. It's strange. Yeah. Then you're going to walk for, I forget how many, how long. It's like not long. It's like 30 seconds, you know? And then you're going to start, then you're going to run again for another mile. Then yeah. you're going to walk, run, yeah. walk, run, walk. You're going to do this for 26 miles. And you're going to walk even when you're not tired. Yeah. <laughs> and... This was the pace that this guy, the coach, had set for this runner. Well, the runner, he didn't like it. He, he was upset about it. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, um, it came to, for, to run the race. Yeah. And he didn't follow okay. the, the, the instructions. And guess what? He didn't break three hours. <laughs> he didn't do it. And the coach was mad at him. And he was mad at the coach. Yeah. And he was like, he kind of like had a moment of like breaking. Like, I think I need to listen to this guy. Hmm. I think I need to stop being so prideful. I think I need to listen to this guy. And so another marathon comes up, and he decides to follow this running routine. I mean, he would say it's the most terrible, frustrating ah. thing ever because he's walking, and people are just passing Oh, him. yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, that's, that's seriously difficult. Yeah. Your competitive spirit is like, no, and all your energy is still there. You have all this oh, energy. Oh, yeah. Your legs are fresh. You're, you could keep going. And he kept to it. And of course, you know how the story ends. Yeah. He finished the half the marathon under three hours. He got his personal record. And all the people that were passing him at the beginning, yeah. He started passing at yeah. the end. And he had all this energy. He had energy. reserve. He yeah. Had all this energy Come for on. La- for the end. Yeah. And he's just passing everybody, passing everybody. And he realized, I'm gonna break my three hour mark. Mm-hmm. And he did. And of course the coach was there at the finish line congratulating him. He was finally realized this, oh my gosh. But there's a pace we must run at. Yeah. And at times it feels like people are passing you by. Yeah. But if the Lord says, obey me. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I know what I'm doing. He knows best. <laughs> he says, obey me. I yeah. got something for you at the end. I got yeah. reserves for you in the end. I yeah. got a plan for you. There's a finish line I'm trying to get you to. Yeah. 
Obedience is better than sacrifice. So good. Yeah, it is good. And and uh, so anybody out there just feeling inspired about you got you're running a race, but don't start your race without the finish line mm-hmm. in mind. Mm-hmm. I think about even next summer. I have a desire to do <laughs> a a tough mutter. Yeah, but it's 15k, which is pretty much a half marathon, right? Mm, let's see. I got to do the math. Maybe I don't it's know. More like 12 miles. No. Really? Ten. Like six. Seven. Anyways. Well, a 5k is 3.1. Yeah. Three. So 10k. So like is nine. Six. What? Nine miles? Yeah. We gotta. Nine point. Maybe gotta, nine and a half miles. I need a pen and paper here. I gotta do. Something. I've never run a 15k. I've done a 20 and a 30 and but 15. Yeah, I'm trying to think in my brain. Mm-hmm. Anyways. And 9 miles. Yeah, like a little over 9. Yeah. And I think about that. I have to I have to run 9 miles. Yeah. And I have to do obstacles. Yeah. How I need to train so that I yeah. can cross the finish yep. line. I'm I don't need to train to to start yeah. to hit to go when the gun goes off. My yep. training is not I think about the fin- thinking about the finish line with my training. Yeah, that's wise thinking. It's it's the only natural way to think, but we need to think that way with our life too. Mm-hmm. Our pace of life. Yeah, our pace of life. And also going out there, you know, right now you're not running. Right now, I'm can not. we just be honest? No, and for I'm not you, <laughs> and, and, for and you, I have bad knees. Yeah, which, which and so all the more when it comes time. For you to sign up for that race and begin training, you're not going to go out there and run six miles your first run. Nope. You're going to build. You're going to build up to that point. You're going to two miles. Yeah. Three miles. You're going to build your strength. You're going to build your stamina. And again, tying it to our pace, our our life, what we invest into. You know, you can't get out there and just run ten miles when you ain't done nothing. Yeah. <laughs> you're gonna hurt your body. You're yeah. gonna burn yourself out. You're gonna injure yourself before that race even comes up. Yeah. So you have to uh, not only have that pace right, but the plan to build up the strength. Come I'm gonna on. start slow and start short. Short, short <laughs> runs. I'm gonna start short, slow. Short runs. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to probably run, go out there and run like two miles from yeah. like my first run. Just get that. Yeah. Just to get like, how are my lungs? How's my heart? Yes. Like, but then I need to build it. Yeah. Like I'm going to build it as the, as the months go on. But so think about that with your normal, natural pace yeah. of life. I know this has got to be speaking to people because I, I mean, we see this all the time. We, this is something we have to overcome in our own lives. Mm-hmm. And so comparison has always been there has always been a temptation, has always been something to overcome. But again, as you mentioned, you hop on social media, now it's just in your face. Yeah. Much more easily, you know, take a few minutes to scroll, and uh, here you are comparing to this person, that person, what they're doing. Anyways, I know. it's something we all have to overcome. It is. Oh, it's been great to be with you today, audience. Jen, do you have a closing line that you want to give out? Well, I thought you were going to say, it's been great to be with you, wifey. Oh. So, but you said audience, which it has been great to be with everyone out there, but it's also been great to be with you, husband. (laughs) (laughs) It's been great to be with you today, wifey. There you go. It's been great to be with you today, audience. We'll catch you on the next one. See ya. Bye. Get out there and tell somebody about Jesus. How's everybody doing today? Come on, somebody. 
Nothing's sticking anymore. Well, can't work them off today. It's flooded. Man, there is just a good vibe happening today.